Welcome to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, featuring conversations with performing artists and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed in the arts. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I believe that you really can make a living from your creative talents. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, my mission is to educate, motivate, and empower you to thrive with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. Hello, and welcome to episode 44 of Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Today's guest is Jason McCoy, who with the Roadhammers has won five Canadian Country Music Awards, a Juno Award, and SOCAN Songwriter of the Year. They are the best-selling Canadian country band of all time. But before the Roadhammers, Jason was already a very successful solo artist, winning the CCMA Male Vocalist of the Year twice, three SOCAN Song of the Year awards, 19 CCMA nominations, and five Juno nominations. And in 2006, he was awarded with the Global Artist Award at the CMAs in Nashville. Jason recently announced the development of the We Are One World Project. With the release of the song We Are One, it's a powerful message of hope recorded by renowned musicians and singers in isolation from across the world. The COVID-19 virus started with one person and has spread to all parts of the globe, affecting the health and well-being of the entire planet. And We Are One is a song of unity to celebrate the power of one together in isolation. The first version of the song is being released from Jason McCoy and Friends. And those friends included Ed Robertson from the Bare Naked Ladies, the Harlem Gospel Choir, Tim Hicks, Derek Rattan, Gordy Johnson, Carolyn Don Johnson, and so many more. With the proceeds from the song going to the Red Cross COVID-19 relief effort, including International Red Cross and Global Citizen, We Are One aims to create awareness, hope, joy, and raise much-needed funds and demonstrate the power of one. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Tell me all about the We Are One project. Wow, this, you know, it's just kind of a whirlwind because we've really only been doing this for, you know, just under three weeks, I guess. Well, three weeks, I guess. Um, my friend Jim and I, we've written a few songs together. We we wrote um, Zamboni for the Roadhammers a while back. And um, and we thought, well, let's let's write a song to support COVID-19 relief efforts. And, you know, that's, that's not the newest idea. There's a few songs out there like that. Um, but we thought, well, how do we get, you know, how do we get people to join in and share their voice from wherever they are in isolation to see what, what isolation looks like around the world? And we thought, well, first of all, we should have guests on it from around the world. And we had musicians from British Columbia to Nashville to LA that just friend of friends, you know, join in and they recorded their parts and then send it to the studio and put it together. And then when we were thinking about the vocal guests to have, I was sitting with my daughter who's uh, 13 and we thought, you know, New York was just really hard hit at the time. And uh, boy, it'd be great to get someone from New York just to 
just to show that we can still record in, in isolation and get the message out that of hope, you know? And, um, I remember seeing the Harlem gospel choir one time on good morning America. And I was just a big fan. I'd, I'd seen them all over YouTube. And so I got my daughter to find the contact info and I sent a, a note to their manager and she called me back like within 10 minutes. Her name's Anna Bailey. And, uh, in a couple of days we had all their parts and then we, when <laughs> we put it back together, it was like, that's the Harlem gospel choir. And that just led to asking, yeah, it's amazing. And then we just asked more friends, you know, uh, 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 Haley Jensen, who's been on The Voice in Australia, met her a few years ago. Um, and then Jessica Falk in Sweden. She's a friend of ours uh, through another friend in Nashville. And it just kept going on like that. And um, Ed Roberts from Bare Naked Ladies and then Tim Hicks and the Hunter Brothers. And it really, it just, it was a matter of whoever, whoever we asked and they said yes, you know, and, and just, to, just to get it done and, and get the message out. And then, and then we thought, well, Let's give the song away in a couple of different ways uh, at our website. So we're raising money for two different causes. One is for uh, the Red Cross Worldwide, and one is for the Unison Fund, which uh, supports the music community in times of crisis, which, of course, is right now because nobody's touring. And uh, there's two ways we're raising money. One is by directing people to our website, which is weareoneworld.net. One's a numeral. And uh, there's buttons there to donate. The other is through the royalties of the song, which are being donated. So the more it gets played on radio or the internet, it, the more it generates. And um, you can, you know, or Spotify, you name it, but you can spin our version or we're asking people to download the tracks at weareoneworld.net, uh, record their own version, post it on their socials, and then hashtag us at weareoneworldsong and then just spread the message and hear everybody's voice. That's cool. And it's perfect for up-and-coming artists to get out there gives them uh, a project yeah yeah you know it's amazing we had a young girl named uh Catherine. she's uh, a part-time postal carrier out in kingston she's um also uh, you know an aspiring artist and um her she's got a, a, her songs are on itunes and things or her, her stage name is mellow lily and she uh you know uh, has a lot of youtube action and things like that so she posted one. Uh, we have, uh, you know, our friends in um, uh, the Western Swing Authority from Kitchener, and they, they posted one. Uh, we have lots of uh, folks who, uh, a fellow named Brian Bowen, I just saw on, on Instagram posted one. So and he's got a rap section in it, you know, like people are making it their own. A guy, there's a young, a young fellow who played the ukulele and did his version. It's just really cool. And that's, that's what we're doing. We're like, take the spotlight off us. That's not, we're just getting the message out there. But the real life to this thing is hearing these new voices and new artists. Oh, it's very cool. This podcast is very international. <laughs> so maybe we'll get some people from different countries uh, participating here. Yeah, that's, that's the key. You know, we, uh, you know, we're, we're asking, you know, lots of people who, you know, anybody who's been involved in the project, obviously, uh, are sharing it on their socials and things like that. Um, so that's a good start for us. We had, participants from Greece, Sweden, uh, and Australia, uh, you name it, and India. Um, we've had submissions now from Ukraine, from uh, Uruguay, from, uh, oh my goodness, from, um, oh, China. I felt it did a remix from China of all the tracks. So if you're, you know, whether you sing or dance, I mean, those talents, uh, you know, we, we'd love to celebrate that as well. We, we also love to celebrate, you know, the digital arts, like, you can go to the website and download the tracks individually, the stems, and remix the song and make it your own, you know. So there's 
there's so many different aspects of it. If, uh, if you have any creativity at all, we can find a way to, to incorporate into this message. Yeah, and it is um, different these days is that the crisis is international. It's not like, oh, something that's happening over there or over here. It's like it's happening all over the world and it's something to unite us all. Yeah, it's interesting. The thing that's, uh, you know, separating us right now is actually the very thing that is bringing us closer together through, um, you know, through social media, through podcasts like this, through um, keeping in touch with people on different news sources that we normally wouldn't access. So it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty enlightening to, to get a window into other countries, other communities to see what the isolation looks like in those communities. You know, it's, it's no different than anywhere else, you know? Um, and that's, I guess it's comforting in a way to know that we are all one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also makes the world a little smaller for a short pe- uh, period of time. Um, and it just makes the whole world tap the brakes a little bit because it's uh, this is serious business. Um, in our generation, we've not lived through a thing like this and it's, um, it's just a little pause in time to allow us to prioritize things in a different way. Yeah. It's a, definitely a reset for everyone. So what first drew you to music when you were young? Like what was your childhood like? What was there music all around the house? How'd you get into it? Yeah, my, my dad was a country music fan. Uh, always had a radio on. We, we, um, I was born in Ontario, lived out in Alberta from, well, moved out there when I was a little guy. So my first memories are Alberta. So it was all country music for me. Um, then when I moved back to Ontario, it just, you know, just stuck. Uh, my dad had a guitar, played a few chords, but nothing serious. And I just, you know, wanted to be a, like one of the guys on the radio. <laughs> I just, I really enjoyed uh, country music and, and that was it. So who were your favorite artists? Oh, I would say, uh, you know, the Johnny Cash, Willie Nelsons, Merle Haggards, those guys, uh, uh, really the singer songwriter storytellers. And um, I guess, uh, you know, the, country outlaws, those kind of cats. That was because that's what my dad liked. And then I started to, you know, play records that he had. That's your first exposure, what you fall in love with. Um, and then I, I got into uh, Randy Travis, Dwight Yoakam in the early 80s, mid 80s. And it just just stuck with me. Oh, there you go. A dog guest appearance. How did you start songwriting? Uh, well, I probably was 10 to 12 years old and I was just trying to emulate the, uh, the people I heard on the radio. So just trying to, you know, my best to try and be uh, Merle Haggard and <laughs> would try to write songs that I thought, you know, of subjects you'd hear on the radio and no particular rhyme or reason, but no plan. Um, it came from a combination of learning a few chords and then just trying to string you know, along some sentences to make what I thought was some semblance of a song. Um, but uh, that led to, you know, getting to playing in bar bands when I was 16, 17, stuff like that. You start to get a little bit of living and experience under your belt. Uh, went on the road when I was about 19 doing the same thing. And then that, you know, would lead to a treasure trove of other stories. So um, I would say, you know, I went on the road when I was about 19 and I forgot to quit. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first break? Oh, I don't know. I think, you know, I, I think I have a series of breaks throughout my life. Um, I would say my first breaks would be, uh, doing a, uh, talent contest, I guess, in my hometown of Barrie. And when I was about 16 and that led to a, 
meeting uh, Ray Griff is his name. We did a little recording in Nashville when I was uh, 17 or so. And uh, that led to an independent release, which got uh, MCA's ear at the time. And they released a couple of songs and that eventually led to a full record deal. So that kind of thing, you know, it's not like there was one lightning rod moment, but I'd, I'd say it was a series of little breaks, just always trying to be there at the right time. Right. And I saw that your first few solo albums, they're different labels. Did you switch labels or is that part of the big family? Uh, well, they were all within the Universal MCA group, but um, it's interesting. The guy who uh, was head of uh, MCA at the time, uh, Randy Lennox, he, he is now uh, head of Bell Media, and I'm actually, I do a radio show with Bell Media as well. So it's kind of all within the family still. Oh, cool. I saw you open for Martina McBride in Vancouver in the 90s. Oh, were you there at the Elizabeth Cohen Theater? No. no. Uh, it might be Queen Elizabeth Theater. Queen Elizabeth, yeah. that's right. Elizabeth Cohen's on the other end of the country. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Small world. Yeah, that was kind of when you first kind of, the public started to get to know you then. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, that'd be 98, 99, maybe. Whew. I think it was ni- I think it was 96. Oh, yeah. So before Dixieland. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> that's a while ago. And so what made you, after you've had some success as a solo artist, what made you want to join a group or put together the Road Hammers? Uh, well, I guess I would say that, you know, I came off uh, Sins, Lies, and Angels album, and I didn't really know what to do, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, I was in the middle of uh, a music industry that was kind of changing uh, you know, the, the format was changing a lot. I mean, you were getting like country music's always done a little too pop or a little too country. There was always that argument. And I don't know if I felt like I knew which way to go. Um, so I thought, well, let's just do a little side project supposed to be a one and done. And it was, uh, it was going to be, Hey, a little idea of a bunch of trucker songs on an album and forget about it. I told my friend Ted Ellis, who was running CMT at the time. And, uh, (laughs) He said, well, we'd like to do a little reality show or documentary, I guess you'd say, of uh, behind the scenes putting this together. And I said, great. So they followed us around with cameras. And next thing you know, we're, uh, we're uh, still going. My, my very first guest on the podcast was Clayton Bellamy. Oh, yeah? Oh, cool. Right on. Yeah. So he told us all of that story of how he got involved with the Road Hammers. And uh, he also said that you're a walking encyclopedia of country music. <laughs> oh yeah, well, yeah. I guess to a degree. I mean, I, I, you know, always had country music in my. Oh, it's always been the forefront in my life. I just, uh, it's interesting being a radio now. I've got lots of backstories, and this guy wrote that, and so and so is connected to such and such. And I guess I never really talk about it that much unless I'm prompted. The, the station's always saying, "Make sure you tell more of those stories," and uh, I, you know, I really <laughs> enjoy that. I, I really like that uh, that part of country music, the, the backstory. Yeah, I was always the same. I was always reading the credits on the albums and getting to know these. The say you see the same songwriters over and over again, or you see the same producers over and over again. You start to get to know who does what. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's kind of a small community in a way, and um, and then you get to see, yeah, you get to see some producers have a certain sound. You can hear that thread through it, the different artists they work with. You know, what have been some of your career highlights? Like what stands out 
to you as like big moments? Hmm. Career highlights. I, well, there's been a lot of them. I mean, um, you know, winning a Juno with the Hammers was obviously uh, you know a big one for all of us. Um, as a country music artist, you know, growing up, I always felt that country music, I guess in the late 70s, early 80s, was underrepresented at the Junos. So to be part of that and then actually win one was pretty, pretty awesome because I remember yeah. watching the Junos with my folks and, you know, at the time we, 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 you know, lament that, oh, they didn't, they didn't have any country artists, you know, on the broadcast, stuff like that. So it was really cool yeah. to be involved in that and win one. Um, but those, that's kind of the business side. I think there's kind of personal highs, you know, like uh, things that may not mean a lot to other people, like, um, the, like, well, the Junos, but for that reason, there's a little bit, different reason for me um right i don't know you know um hosting uh part of the ccmas i did uh, their their one president's dinner there and i really enjoyed that because you know i've been to so many of them as an up-and-coming artist you know and and uh as an artist it's one thing we played the, the dinner and played the show many times and all that stuff and i love that but i always like hosting stuff so that was kind of a coup for me because i'm like up there in front of all these people that I've worked with in the industry getting to host and you're kind of, kind of an MC for the front seat of the excitement of that year. I really like that. Uh, yeah. And then I guess, you know, right. Anytime you write a song, record a song, and then you get to hear it on the radio and then see people's reaction to it. That's like the full cycle of the, of the, you know, the music business. And I having a front row seat to that is probably the ultimate highlight. Yeah, and seeing that your your music is inspiring other people, and you could see the audience loving your music too. Or, or even if people don't, like, I mean, you know, you go on YouTube, you'll see some, you know, like some comments <laughs> people may like hate that guy. <laughs> yeah, or, or oh, the hammers, like you know, we we might remake a song, and some people, you know, they really like the original better and stuff like yeah. that, or, or you know, why do they have to do this with the guitar? You know, it, any of those things. I don't, you know, whether they like it or hate it, of course we want them to like it, but as long as they're passionate one way or the other, if they don't like it, that's fine too. Uh, we just don't, that whole lukewarm thing is kind of meh, but you really want to make sure they, they have some passion about it either way. And that's, and that's sometimes the best music, you know, and it's, it's, um, I don't know. It just gets a reaction. Yeah. And so what advice would you have for up and coming artists that are kind of just starting to get into the industry? You know, it's interesting when I was starting, we didn't have a lot of outlets. Like I used to say to people, uh, you know, my advice would be to play anywhere and everywhere you can anytime. And that's what I did. I'd play clubs, I'd play, you know, coffee shops or anything. You had an opportunity to make a noise, right? Now we've got social media and you can start your own channel, your YouTube channel, your Instagram, all that stuff. That's, that's an unbelievable opportunity that I never had. Um, so I would say, the number one thing is learn your craft. First of all, your, your songwriting or whatever your craft's going to be, your singing, your guitar, and then, or dance or whatever it is. And then um, make sure that you, you learn all you can about the tools to get it out there. Because the thing I've learned from being on a, anything from an independent label to a major label, uh, you know, having my own TV shows to have all those things, those are all great, but you still have to drive it. You know, uh, you're still, you're still in charge of your, 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 uh, your brand. You're still in charge of your, uh, direction. You're still in charge of getting, getting things done. So 
Um, it's your dream. It's nobody else's. There may be other people that come alongside, but nobody's going to do it for you. And I, I, I do find like a lot of artists are reluctant to kind of get to know the business part of it. I'm a publicist and coach, so I'm always trying to help them kind of embrace branding is not a bad word. It's just bringing out who you are. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you're in charge of, you know, if you don't like the way you're coming across on YouTube or, you know, anything like that, you have to make sure that you, uh, you learn the best techniques, the best ways to do things, the best tools to engage. And, um, um, I think that people are more savvy now than ever. Um, but, uh, you know, when I, when I was, I started out in the business before we had uh, a national video channel, we had new country network come on board when I started and then I went to yeah. and now, you know, CMT doesn't even play videos anymore. So, um, that's full cycle, you know, um, what a great opportunity we have with all the, uh, um, social media. It's absolutely amazing. When you're doing the road hammers, what gives you that bug to go back and do a solo? Um, it just depends on what you're writing at the time. I mean, sometimes I get in a mood where I want to, you know, shoot guns and drive trucks. I mean, and then, <laughs> so that's the road hammers and <laughs> yeah, road hammers. And then, you know, I'm really traditional. I mean, if I could be, you know, Randy Travis, I, that's all I do all day, you know? So, um, but radio doesn't really play that per se. So, you know, it's, it just depends on when you have that, that right hybrid of what works at right radio, I guess, or commercially and, and creativity. I, I, I could make a creative record that nobody's going to hear and that's fine too. It might do that, but I always like to, kind of appeal to a little bit more than just myself and uh, it all comes down to the songs you're writing. Yeah. And is there anyone that you've always wanted to work with that you haven't yet? Or has there been someone that you've been blown away that you got to work with? Well, uh, gosh, everybody on this, we are one project was kind of a dream come true just because, you know, it was so far reaching and just put together in such a unique way that, you know, we didn't have time to ask people to do a certain thing. They just did it their own way. There was no second guessing and it couldn't have come together better. It was like a perfect jigsaw puzzle. Uh, so that, that was a treat. But, uh, as far as, you know, Merle Haggard, I would love to work with him. I saw him many times, did some shows where we were on the same bill, but never really got to hang out. Um, you know, but just, just as a music fan, um, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, some of my heroes are the producers like Tony Brown, who worked with MCA for years. I never worked with him, but met him a few times. Um, so people like that, but I don't, you know, I've just been, been lucky to work with, uh, some, some great people. So, um, it, whether they're famous or not, it doesn't matter. It just, there's a lot of inspiring people I've had the chance to, to make music with and um, whether they're the writers or the engineers and the unsung heroes of the whole operation, you know? Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. We'll just see, see what the next uh, project brings and that, that'll be the next uh, bucket list filler, you know? Right. And so what's coming up next for you? Well, this We Are One is kind of all encompassing right now. We're working on some new hammer music and we have uh, our first of four road hammer called Hammer Hangs on Thursday evenings at 7 Eastern at our Instagram page. So that's a first for us. That's going to be pretty cool. Uh, we have some guests. Yeah, we have some guests coming on the show and stuff like that. So it's, it's, um, it's pretty fun. I mean, I really, I really like the social media part of it because like I said, never had that when I started out. So it's good to keep in touch with the fans. Um, 
and that's that's what's coming up for us. Of course, I do a radio show with uh, Pure Country 106, and uh, that's in Barry Midland and Aurelia. So that keeps me busy. Um, and then, of course, i got two kids, two dogs, and wife and a farm here, so uh, lots to do here, too. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Anything else you want to add? I think that's great. I really appreciate you taking the time. I, I love the uh, focus of the podcast and, and just um, really excited to hear all these, you know, voices that maybe haven't been heard or first time taking a swing at the social media thing with We Are One. And it's, it's really inspiring to hear what people do with the song, whether it's just simply singing along, dancing along or, or uh, making a whole new, you know, animal out of the thing. It's just really uh, inspiring. So thanks to everybody for uh, joining us. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. All right. We'll talk to you very soon. It was great talking to Jason. I was wanting to have him on the show for a while now, so it was great to have him on. I hope everyone's doing well with uh, the crisis, not being able to be out there performing. Um, But right now, it's a great time to embrace online. Do your Facebook Lives and Instagram Lives and make more effort to comment on other people's stuff on social. Just it's a time for, you know, being connected. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review on iTunes and also join the Facebook group. You go to dianefoy.com slash Facebook. You will join our community there and get some much needed support during this time. For links and a transcript of this episode, visit singdanceactthrive.com slash 044. Thanks for listening to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Be sure to join the mailing list at dianefoy.com to gain access to exclusive bonus content, a weekly newsletter, and an invitation to our private Facebook group of purpose-driven performing artists and industry influencers. 